The Score Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by The Score Bet. That's right. We brought you the best sports media app. Now we're bringing you the best sportsbook and casino now live in Ontario, Canada. The Score Bet offers a safe and secure mobile sportsbook experience with both pregame and in-play markets. But best of all, it's integrated into The Score and our content to give you the easiest and most seamless sports betting experience. Download now on iOS and Android. Available in Ontario only. Must be 19 years of age or older to participate. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600. Now let's get to the show. Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Justin Boone. Appreciate you joining me today for what's really a bonus episode. My goal on Wednesday's show was to get through my biggest takeaways from all 32 NFL minicamps. We ran out of time though, so we had to split it up into two separate shows. Nothing wrong with that. It gives you something to listen to over the weekend. If you haven't checked out that part one of the takeaways, make sure you go and do that. I went at it alphabetically. I got through 16 teams, went from the Arizona Cardinals all the way to the Kansas City Chiefs. Today, we're going to tackle the other 16, so from the Las Vegas Raiders all the way to the Washington Commanders. Before we get into that, though, I want to direct people over to the score. I posted my breakouts and my busts for 2022. I'll keep that series going over the next couple weeks with sleepers and uh, players who are going to lead you to a title, risky picks to gamble on, and then one of my favorites, super deep sleepers, where I try to dig through some of the relatively unknowns just to find some guys who might make fantasy impacts this year. And normally that turns into people asking me who those players are because they're guys who are barely making rosters. But then a few months later, you get some injuries, you get some starters not performing well, and all of a sudden some of those guys from that article become the waiver wire pickups that you're making mid-season or later in the year. So it's just another way to get a little bit of a head start on your league mates or to give you some ideas for some deep stashes in Dynasty. All right, enough of that. Let's finish up the minicamp takeaways. We'll begin in Vegas with the Raiders. And you know how much I've championed Josh Jacobs over the last couple of years on this show. The fantasy community always wants to bury him, but he's been a top 15 back in fantasy points per game each of the last three years. And that's in PPR scoring. Last year had the fifth most receptions of any running back in the league, but the situation is changing. We have to adjust. Josh McDaniels, he's shown up. He's likely to bring that Patriot style approach to the backfield, which means game plan specific touch distribution, which can mean using multiple backs every week. Then they go out, they decline Jacob's fifth year option for next season. So not exactly a vote of confidence for him moving forward. And they've been adding pieces in addition to having Jacobs and and veteran Kenyon Drake as well. They went out, they brought in longtime Patriot Brandon Bolden, who probably is mostly going to be a special teams player, but he can step up. He can be a versatile option in the backfield if needed. Same goes for veteran Amir Abdullah, mostly just a special teamer, but a guy who can contribute if some injuries hit. And then they also drafted a couple backs. Samir White in the fourth round. He's a guy that I like him a lot. Profiles as that early down banger in the pre-draft process. I comped him to kind of a faster Sony Michelle. But he could really be the one that they're positioning here to take this job next year when Jacobs and Kenyon Drake are gone. Vic Topher, the athletic, he suggested that White could even get involved and take away some touches this season, which for sure is possible. And then they also drafted Britton Brown in the seventh round, but he should be more of a depth player. Seventh rounders, they're not locks to make the roster by any means. The point here is that Jacobs might not have the workhorse role this season. And the new regime... 
they don't seem sold on him as their guy. To top it off, Jacobs didn't participate in OTAs this year. Maybe he's mad about the contract. Maybe he doesn't want to play the, the fourth year without having that extension. I don't know, but he wasn't out there. That's not going to win over the new coaching staff by any means. That turns it into a situation where Jacobs now is looking like a fade for me. I had him in my bust article the other day. He'll be dropping in my next rankings update. It sucks to see because he's a guy who definitely can produce for fantasy when he's given the volume, but not confident that he's going to be able to get that this year. Next up, the Rams and another guy who made an appearance in my bust column. I don't want to spoil the whole thing, but I touch on four players at every position and Stafford was one of the quarterbacks. And I won't go through everything that I wrote in the article, but the reason that we're talking about it today is because Stafford isn't throwing the ball right now. He received an anti-inflammatory injection in his elbow. They're trying to address an issue that he played through last season. Now he's resting the arm. The plan is to get him thrown again in training camp. So you have Stafford and the team who are acting very confident about this, and that's great. Players and teams normally are. But Stafford did admit to ESPN that, quote, there's a lot of work to do physically just to get ready to go, end quote. And at 34 years old, he's not old. But he's not a young quarterback either. So this is one that I'm going to be watching closely, hoping that he doesn't have any setbacks or that this doesn't pop up later in the season. We don't want to see this come up later in the year and cost him time. So definitely a mild level of concern at the moment. I mean, any quarterback who's having issues with their throwing arm could be problematic. We'll see how he's feeling come late July, though. Sticking in LA with the Chargers, Daniel Popper, the athletic, he reported that Josh Palmer is running with the first team offense in three receiver sets. That's notable because last year it was Jalen Guyton getting most of those reps as the, the clear out guy as the third receiver. Now, I know this is going to get some people really excited. I don't anticipate that he's going to have much fantasy value on his own this year, even as the third receiver, because Guyton still probably going to steal some snaps, I would say. But Palmer is in a great position. If Keenan Allen or Mike Williams get hurt, that's where Palmer's value could skyrocket. So he's still more of a, a stash, but it is notable that he's the favor for that third receiver job. And I'll also say from the same report, tight end Gerald Everett, he's running with the starters there. That shouldn't really surprise anybody. The the Donald Parham love, it runs deep, but Everett's going to be the starter there this season. In Miami, lots of changes coming for this offense. And the coverage around Tua Tagovailoa, it just continues to be ridiculous. People, they just seem to hate Tua or something. I don't get it at all. And sure, it doesn't help when Tyreek Hill goes out there and makes crazy statements about Tua being better than Patrick Mahomes at anything on a football field. But What do you expect these guys to say when they're on new teams? They got to support their teammates now. And sometimes, yeah, they go too far with it. Tyreek probably did there, but it doesn't need to be a story in the news cycle. I see that headline. I laugh. I move on. It's not worth my time to read any further. The topic is just completely useless. Who cares who's the better passer there? It does not matter. And I know I'm looking at it more from a fantasy perspective, and that's why I'm saying that I could care less. But anyway, I'm still a big Tua fan. With this supporting cast, with Tyreek, with Waddle, with Kaseki, with Cedric Wilson, Teron Armstead there on the line now, and that crowded backfield, we're going to see some really big fantasy performances from this offense. I still haven't seen much about the backfield pecking order yet. Maybe that's because Mostert's still working his way back from the injury, so that'll be a storyline that's going to come down to training camp in the preseason. I'm currently ranking it Chase Edmonds, then Sony Michelle, 
and then Raheem Mostert. Partially due to Mostert's durability issues and it not being guaranteed that he's going to be ready to go in week one. I know they're saying that he will, but I'll believe it when I see it. So a combo of Edmonds as the lead back and the pass catching option, and then Michelle as the veteran grinder, that could work really well. And in Dynasty Leagues, I'm also stashing Zaquandre White, who head coach Mike McDaniel, he said some nice things about him recently. Might be hard for him to carve out snaps this year, but it makes for a nice Dynasty stash right now. We'll keep moving here onto the Vikings. A couple things to keep in mind from their OTAs. The first is that it'll be interesting to see what this offense looks like. Justin Jefferson, he said they're moving away from Mike Zimmer's old school offense, moving to a a new generation under head coach Kevin O'Connell. And O'Connell, he's a McVay disciple, so kind of excited to see what he's going to do in Minnesota. One thing that's been reported is that Dalvin Cook is being used more as a receiver, lining up in the slot, lining up out wide. Could be interesting for his fantasy value. We know the McVay offenses, they are great for their lead back. Just load them up with volume. So hopefully Cook can benefit from that. The other note, and this one is very, very minor, but backup quarterback Kellen Mond, somebody who really is only a stash in two QB or super flex leagues. I kind of moved him down my dynasty rankings when the last coaching staff had soured on him. But apparently he's had a good spring with the new staff there. He's got a shot to kickstart his career, so he's back in the stash category for me in those deep dynasty leagues. I just wanted to hit on that. I try to make a mental note when I make some of those changes deeper down the dynasty trade value charts, things that people might not notice. That's one that I wanted to hit on there. Uh, For the Patriots, there's a lot that needs to be sorted out in New England before the season. I mean, they don't even know who's going to be calling plays on offense. The candidates aren't the greatest either. Joe Judge, the former Giants coach, former special teams guy, Matt Patricia, former Lions coach, former defensive coordinator, maybe even Belichick himself might do it. It is not ideal. The talent on the offense, though, isn't bad. Lots of competition at receiver now with Devontae Parker there, a deep running back room. You got two quality tight ends. And Mac Jones, he showed that he can be the guy there. He's not a great fantasy option. But he's good enough to keep that offense moving, maybe support a couple fantasy starters. So we'll wait until training camp before we make any strong decisions about the players in New England. We want to see how all of this works out. I tend to not get involved with their offense and fantasy much, but I'm also a Bills fan, so I might be a little biased from years of losing to them. Uh, Let's go to New Orleans next. Jameis Winston, he's limping around, trying to recover from that torn ACL last year, but he's out there and he seems to be in good spirits. This is his team now. I thought he was relaxed in interviews. He really seemed like maybe he's growing into this role as the Saints starter. And that might sound funny for a guy who was the first overall pick back in 2015, was a starter in Tampa for four or five years. But we can all agree that Jameis was a little immature at times in those days. I'd be really interested to see what a mature Jameis could become because the talent is there for him to be a good quarterback with the Saints. If the team can make a smooth transition from the Sean Payton era, which should happen since most of the coaching staff stuck around, I think Winston could be a really good fantasy quarterback. Remember, last year, he had two top five weekly finishes before he got hurt. He threw for five touchdowns against the Packers, threw for four touchdowns against Washington, And that was with a pretty no-name receiving core at the time. Now he's got first-rounder Chris Olave, got veteran Jarvis Landry, and hopefully, hopefully, Michael Thomas as well. We're still waiting to see Thomas get back out there. If he's not on the field in training camp, I'll be dropping him way down my rankings. For now, we're going to hold out some hope. I did see a video today, our buddy Debro, Derek Brown, he had retweeted it. 
with Thomas doing some workouts, jumping up on mats, landing on one leg, it's something. He's still got a ways to go before he's back to anything close to what he once was. But even with just Olave and Landry, Winston could be better off than he was last year. So he's a mid to high end QB two with a decent amount of upside this season. And I'll mention too, the Saints gave a tryout to running back David Johnson. And that might be because they're worried about a possible suspension for Alvin Kamara. We're still waiting to see what comes out of that over the summer. Will the video that apparently exists, will it get leaked? Could that result in a longer suspension for Kamara? Either way, the depth chart there behind him is pretty open. You have Mark Ingram who's going to be 33 in December. You got Abram Smith, who is intriguing, but he's also a UDFA. Tony Jones, he really didn't establish himself last year when he got the chance. So Johnson could be a decent addition. He's not the player he used to be, but he's a reliable veteran back. So we'll see if they sign him or not. On to the Giants. Oh, the Giants. So much we could go over here. Saquon Barkley's hype train, it's really kicked into high gear. And I think for good reason. If he's healthy, if he's back to form, Barkley's going to be in for a big year. Brian Dable, going to move him around the formation, going to find ways to get the ball in his hands as much as Barkley can handle, in part because there's no depth in the backfield there. Matt Breda, Antonio Williams, Jayshon Corbin, not a lot of great options behind Barkley. And by all accounts, Barkley's looking really good in practice. So expect him to move up draft boards over the summer. Rookie receiver Wandell Robinson, he's somebody that I've moved up recently as well. And my projections for him aren't the greatest this year because he's a smaller guy. He's 5'8". We don't see a lot of guys that height put up big fantasy seasons, but the Giants are all in on him. They took him in the second round. You have Sterling Shepard still working his way back from an injury. This receiving core, it could be Galladay, Kadarius Toney, and Robinson to start the year. So Robinson worth a late round flyer and redraft. Worth a second round pick in dynasty rookie drafts as well. And then the last thing for the Giants, the tight end room. It's really up for grabs right now. I thought Ricky Seals-Jones would come in and be the obvious choice. They've worked in fourth-round rookie Daniel Bellinger with the first-team offense. They've worked UDFA Austin Allen with the first-team offense. They also have Jordan Akins, who used to be with the Texans. This is going to be a camp battle to watch, not for regular fantasy leagues, but for tight end premium formats, especially dynasty ones. You're going to want to watch to see who wins the job. There could be a rookie, surprisingly. We don't see a lot of rookies get starting jobs, especially guys that are taken on day three or UDFAs, but could actually happen in New York this year. And then the other New York team, it's a mixed bag for Zach Wilson so far. The team has just surrounded him with so much talent, all the talent he could possibly need to excel. He just needs to answer the bell this season. And so far, there's been some glowing reports. There's been some less than stellar ones. He's got time, though. Training camp's going to be really telling for him, you know, whether he's bringing it all together with these weapons. Still a chance for significant upside here, but he's got a lot of work to do to prove himself. Seems like it should be hard to fail when you talk about a a group of skill position players like Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore and Corey Davis and Brees Hall. I'm not really targeting Wilson for redraft in terms of Zach Wilson at quarterback, but I'm watching closely because I'm hoping that he can help Garrett Wilson and Moore and Hall at least reach their fantasy potential, even if he doesn't reach his yet. Uh, the Eagles offense, the report of note here is from a few beat writers, but Zach Berman of The Athletic, he was one of them who suggested that the team is going to try to be more pass heavy this year. And on the surface, that's great news for fantasy, especially with AJ Brown there now. And so you want to say wheels up for this offense. And it is Jalen Hurts going to be a, a top seven fantasy QB has a chance to move up even higher than that. But I just want to caution that if your plan as an NFL offense is to be pass heavy, 
you don't really want Jalen Hurts as your quarterback. Hurts is good because of his rushing ability. And last year, they tried to be more pass heavy early in the season. He kind of struggled during that stretch. It wasn't until they committed to running more, to running him specifically more and building the offense around that. That's when he had more success in the second half of the year. So just something to keep in mind. Great. They're going to throw more. That's what we want. I'm not convinced that Hertz is going to be able to sustain a big time passing attack though. He's going to be good for fantasy, but whether he can keep Brown and Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard all producing for fantasy, that's really the question. In Pittsburgh, the quarterback competition raging on there. Mitch Trubisky, he's got the inside track for the day one starting job, but a lot could change in training camp in the preseason. Either way, we're going to see rookie Kenny Pickett get some starts this year. That's what happens almost always when you take a first round quarterback. They're going to get a chance to start at some point in their rookie season. Not that I think Trubisky or Pickett are going to be that great for fantasy this year. Outside of two quarterback and super flex leagues, you're not really that excited about them at the moment. Some other things I'm watching here, George Pickens. By all accounts, Pickens is flashing big-time ability in practice. Now, can he turn that into enough volume to be a fantasy factor this year? That'll probably require him to overtake Chase Claypool as the team's number two receiver. I don't think that's out of the question. I just I wanted to say this because I really see a future star in Pickens. It might not happen until 2023, but he's definitely somebody that we're going to be seeing a lot of highlights from in training camp in the preseason. So somebody that I want to make sure is on your radar, not just in Dynasty, but in redraft as well. For the 49ers, Trey Lance continues to get some of the most bizarre coverage of any player outside of maybe Tua Tagovailoa. It's like people want to be hard on this guy for no reason. I know most of the fantasy community is really excited for him, and I know the 49ers players seem really excited for him as well. Basically, everybody in the organization, not just the players, the coaches, the front office, they've all come out and talked about how great Lance is doing in his development. It's his team now, and maybe people are just waiting for Jimmy G to be traded, which it could happen soon. He's supposed to be able to throw in a couple weeks. So the rehab from the shoulder surgery is almost there. That would allow a trade to happen, maybe to the Panthers, maybe somewhere else. But Lance is checking all the boxes. As much as I hated the fact that he sat out last year, it's probably going to end up being a good thing for him and his development. This guy's going to be a star. Everything we're seeing, we're hearing out of OTAs, it's confirming that. So make sure that you have your rankings adjusted accordingly. I'm expecting really big things from Lance this year and moving into the future. The same can't be said for the division rival Seahawks. They have DK Metcalf missing minicamp. He's sitting out due to his contract. Though they say that there's been some talks. They say they want to keep him. Personally, I'd like to see DK get traded before the season. Maybe I just like chaos, but I really want to see him on a team with a great quarterback doing the most that he could possibly do out there. We don't want to see him struggling through a year with subpar quarterback play. That would just be awful for him and for fantasy. A DK wasn't the only one that was missing too. They don't have Chris Carson back yet. That neck injury, it looks like it's ultimately going to force him to retire. And that one, it isn't as big of a deal for the Seahawks because they drafted Kenneth Walker. They have Rashad Penny there for at least one more year. Those guys can handle the backfield duties. They're pretty qualified. Just an awful situation for Carson, though. We're wishing him nothing but the best. And now for the quarterback situation there. If you believe the Seahawks that they're willing to go into the year with either Geno Smith or Drew Locke as their starter... I don't know what I should tell you because Gino, he does seem to have the upper hand so far in that battle, but I still expect that they're going to end up with another quarterback before week one, whether it is Baker Mayfield in a trade, whether it's Jimmy G if the 49ers release him, because I don't think that the 49ers are going to trade Jimmy G to a division rival. 
maybe somebody else will become available and they'll go out and get them. I don't want to have to do rankings for this offense for fantasy with Geno Smith at the helm every week, but we might see it happen. And if it does, we're going to be dropping all these Seahawks players a little further down the rankings, but let's hope they find another starter before the season. The Buccaneers, they're trying to find another starter at receiver. I mean, not only do they have to replace Antonio Brown, who quit mid-game last year, but they also could be without Chris Godwin for a month, maybe more, according to our friend Edwin Porras, who was on the show a few weeks ago, talking about all those big injury situations. He mentioned Godwin coming back from the torn ACL that he suffered last year and how foolish it would be for them to rush him back. Maybe that's why Tom Brady's out there challenging Russell Gage, asking him to take on a big role in this offense across from Mike Evans. The team also has just a, a slew of guys competing for spots on the depth chart behind them. Jalen Darden, Tyler Johnson, Cyril Grayson, Brashad Perriman, Scotty Miller, Jarrett Stearns, Devin Tompkins. The most likely scenario with all these guys is that we're going to see a couple of them step up in that first month or so, depending on the game plan each week, they'll get some different guys involved. But I was pretty excited to see Matt Lombardo highlight Darden as a guy who could break out this year. Somebody that we were kind of interested in last season when he came in and struggled a little bit, but Lombardo suggested that there's multiple sources on the team who apparently said that Darden has a better understanding of the playbook this year, that he's playing faster this year. One of those guys that is really small, but really, really fast. So somebody who could get into that slot role, have a lot of playmaking ability from that spot in the field, could be a sneaky option for them until Godwin is ready. So somebody to stash in deep dynasty leagues. A couple more teams to go here. The Titans, they have to be disappointed with what they're getting or what they're not getting from first rounder Traylon Burks. And I know he has asthma. I know that complicates things, but the fact that he was on and off the field during mini camps and OTAs, the fact that he missed a significant portion of on-field practices already, that puts him behind the curve as a rookie who really needs those reps, right? And it casts some doubt as to what's going on there. Is it more than just the asthma? Did he show up out of shape? That could be a real tough situation to overcome for rookies in their first season. So a lot of time left for Burks to prove himself and emerge as a starter in Tennessee this year, but basically the worst possible start for him right now. And it'll cause him to drop a bit in my rankings, both in redraft and in dynasty. And it opens the door a little bit for the Titans to be a destination for maybe one of the veteran free agents that are still out there. There's not many left, but they might sign someone at this point. It'll also give somebody like tight end Austin Hooper or rookie slot receiver Kyle Phillips, they could have a chance to emerge as a high volume target if someone like Burks can't get out in the field and command a lot of touches, especially if Robert Wood struggles to get back. He's coming back from that torn ACL midway through last season. So lots of moving pieces in that Titans pass catching core at the moment. And then finally, we'll finish off with the Washington Commanders. The big storyline there being Terry McLaurin sitting out OTAs. He's waiting on a new contract. Ron Rivera came out and said, the team won't be trading McLaurin. And that doesn't mean the odds are zero, but it was fairly definitive. And then with McLaurin out, we've gotten to see first rounder Jahan Dotson really impress, and he's building chemistry with Carson Wentz. So Dotson is a, an interesting late round name to target in redraft and a guy who has always been this great value in dynasty rookie drafts. He was consistently falling to the second round in May drafts. Not anymore. He should be going in the first for sure. All right, we've made it. That is all 32 minicamp updates. I really appreciate you riding along with me for these two shows this week. Like I said off the top, I recommend checking out my breakouts and my bust articles over at The Score. Lots of good info in there. And we'll have the next one up on Tuesday. That'll be the 2022 Sleepers. So stay on the lookout for that one. 
I'll be back next week, but until then, big thanks again to the beat writers, to the national writers, to the team writers, to the radio people, everybody who's getting us news and notes from these off-season practices. Couldn't do it without them, and I couldn't do this without you. So as always, big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me.